how can God love someone like me? That is a question perhaps we might have pondered at one time or another. And in fact, there are many people today that still wonder that very thing. Perhaps if one is insecure about himself or herself, how can God feel secure about them? If you do not love yourself, if I don't love myself, does it seem difficult for someone else to love me? Well, I'm here to declare tonight that there is one that will always love you no matter what. There is one that loved us enough to create us, one to make us according to his own image and after his likeness, and yet one was willing to be with us every step of the way. In Romans chapter 8, if you would turn with me there, the Apostle Paul begins to address the issue of what is it that we might think that could cause someone not to love us. Perhaps it may seem very difficult, if not impossible, for someone to love us through very trying times. In Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35, Paul asks this question, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? A question perhaps that is rhetorically answered that many have thought about. When we think about the tribulations, the things that try us in life, we wonder how can we get through certain things. And as I'm going through them, sometimes I might feel that I'm going through them by myself. And we might wonder where is God in all of this? Does He care? Does He really love me? Or what about distress? When things are not going according to our liking, when perhaps we feel like we're the person that's on the very bottom of the totem pole, everything else is above us, nothing is going right, everything is going wrong, does truly anybody care? Does anybody really love us? Or what about persecution? Perhaps we may not understand to the extent of what the early Christians had gone through, or even as of yet. Perhaps we have not given up 
our very lives. We haven't suffered through many physical things like the Apostle Paul has. But does God still love us even when we are suffering? Or what about times of famine? What about thinking back during the Old Testament when there was a period of time where food was very scarce? It may not be evident immediately, but 14 years down the road as people were beginning to gather food and then seven years later when there began to be no more food, yes, God was there. Or what about nakedness? What if we feel that we do not have the necessities of life? There are things that we are without. Am I really being taken care of? The peril and the great dangers that we may face. What about the sword and many physical problems? Things that people may try to harm us with. Can any of these things separate us from the love of God? Emphatically, Paul says the answer is no. Some of these things, obviously, we cannot control. And sometimes there are things that we can control, but perhaps may choose not to. There might be things where we can have a say, but we allow things to get the better of us. Paul addresses those in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there beginning in verse 9, he states very plainly, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But in verse 11 he says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified that you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You mean that even when I was a fornicator, God still loves me? Or if I was an idolater, God still loves me? Or if I was an adulterer or a homosexual, or a sodomite, or a thief, or a covetous person, or a drunkard, or a reveler, or an extortioner, God still loves me? The answer is yes. God does love us. However, the actions that we do is what cause us to get in or out of the kingdom of God. You see, going back to the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 59 and in verse 2, Isaiah said very clearly that your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Isaiah did not say your iniquities have separated you from the love of God, he said they have separated you 
from God. And when we begin to tie all these things together, how could God love me if I am doing any of these things? Paul said very clearly in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. He says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even while I was still a sinner, Christ died. That should tell me that Christ certainly loves me because he was willing to give up his life for me. That God loves me because he was willing to send him to die for me. Jesus stated that very, very plainly. Especially when we focus on the Gospel of John. In chapter 15 and in verse 13, he says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. He went on to say in verse 14 that, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. He gives us an opportunity to become his friend. He loves us in that he was willing to lay down his very life so that you and I could have ours. Earlier in John chapter 3 and verse 16, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. When you think about sin and its consequences, how indeed it separates us from God, and if we were to die in our sins being separated from God, imagine how we would be eternally condemned. We would be totally lost away from God. And we know this because of what Paul said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. He said, for the wages of sin is death. If we were to stop there and say, well, if God does not love me, then there's nothing that I could do to come to God. He did not come to me and therefore, there's nothing that would allow me to be reconciled to him. But there's more to that verse. The latter part says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If God did not love me, he would not have sent Jesus. If Jesus did not love me, he would not have died for me. If he had not died, there would not be any hope for me. I could not have my sins taken away. I cannot live forever in heaven with God. But he did, because he loves us. And John said in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, 
that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God knew that the right sacrifice had to be made. The sacrifice by Jesus Christ, the only one who was sinless, the only one that could shed sinless blood. You see, if the blood was not shed, there would be no remission for sins. God knew that, and God allowed that to happen. Jesus, God's only begotten Son, also knows that. And he said that as his Father loved him, so he loves us. In John chapter 15, there in verse 9, he pleads, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. God loved me. I loved you. Abide in my love. It was interesting a couple of days ago that there were a lot of things that you would hear throughout the course of the day at the fair. Especially when individuals come and are seeking to know the truth. Perhaps to find a discrepancy between their belief and what the Bible teaches. And sometimes a question arises of, if a person is once saved, is he always saved? When Jesus says, abide in my love, he is telling us to remain in the love that I have for you. As I have loved you, so you also ought to love her. If I do not abide in that love, it is possible that I could leave from that love. God would still love me, but I still need to love God. That is my choice. And yet, Jesus prayed that we would abide in his love. In John chapter 17, as he was praying to his Father, he prayed there in verse 26, And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Can you imagine the love that God has for his only begotten Son? Can you imagine the love that Jesus would have for his heavenly Father? And yet, Jesus prays that that very love would be in us, and that he would be in us. When we begin to think of God's powerful love, and how it endures, we find that enduring love is not always easy. Just as parents try to raise their children, 
You know it's easy to love them when they do the right thing. But sometimes when they mess up, sometimes it may seem the older they get, the bigger the choices, the bigger mistakes. Is there one that would be so big that would cause us not to love them? Well, perhaps a child might say, does a parent still love me when they do something to me that I don't want them to do? For example, in Revelation chapter 3, as the angel of the church was writing to those in Laodicea, down in verse 19, he says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. We think about a parent-child relationship. You know, a child does wrong. Parents discipline them. And yet, that is what you call tough love sometimes. It's tough for us to do, but yet it is a way to show the child that we love them. Can you imagine how many times God and his children, when you go throughout the Old Testament and study the life of those in Israel, how many times were they punished because they did not keep the commandments of God? And yet God still loved them. He wanted them to do what is right. In the book of Job, we find that there were things that were allowed to happen to Job. And as his so-called friends began to talk with him, questioning why all these things are happening, Eliphaz knew this to some extent. Because there in Job chapter 5 and in verse 17, he said to him, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Why would he make a comment such as that? Happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Perhaps he understood to some extent that if God is disciplining his children and what a blessing it is to be called a child of God, we need to pay attention. It is a wake-up call. Yes, he is telling us in his way indeed that he loves us. These similar words were reminded to us in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 3, the writer says, Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Of course, speaking of Jesus Christ, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. A question for another day at another time. 
is why do bad things happen to good people? Or we could also ask, why do these things happen to all people? Perhaps God is trying to tell us something. He's I love you. And I want to give you the opportunity to go to heaven. I'm there. And I want to see you there. When we think about who God is in his very nature. You know, if you were to draw a picture of God, of course it would hard, be hard to do because... No one has seen God at any time, but you might draw a picture of a heart, symbolizing love because that's God in his very essence. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, John said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God from the very beginning loves and will love us even until the very end. God is love and then in response we must love him. John said later in the same chapter in verse 19, we love him because... He first loved us. When we look to the love that God has in sending Jesus, how Jesus was willing to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we must realize that he is giving us every opportunity to go to heaven. Every opportunity to overcome the things that we face in this life, and yet to overcome the persecution, to overcome the distress, to overcome the tribulation, the famine, the nakedness, the peril, or the sword. And yet you remember in verse 37 of Romans chapter 8, Paul says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. When you think how Jesus was able to overcome the temptation, he said that we can overcome these things through him. But when you think about if we remain giving in to sin, we know that there will be a second death, one that will have no end. And yet, that is something through Christ we can overcome. Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our victory is only through Christ. But the question is, do you love God as He loves you? His is a never-ending love. He has given you every opportunity to love Him in return. Do we love Him? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, that if you love me, keep my commandments. Am I willing to listen to Him? 
Am I willing to believe in Him? Am I willing to repent of my sins that He died for? Am I willing to confess my faith in Him? Am I willing to be baptized for the remission of my sins? And am I willing to live the faithful Christian life even to the point of death? If I do, I can be assured that victory is mine. Tonight, the lesson is yours. You need to become a child of God. You need to live the life that you are called to live. If you need to respond, won't you do so as together we stand and sing?